All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing Spinning the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. All right. So, um, real quick. So, Tom Brady, let's focus on his response to this. Do you have his thing up, Jonas, his quotes? Uh, directly or what his Instagram post I should say it was uh, yeah so Tom Brady wrote quote nobody likes seeing players get hurt but hard hits happen QBs should not be throwing the ball in areas where they are exposing their own teammates to these types of hits coaches need to get coached better QBs need to read coverages and throw the ball to the right places and defenders should aim for hitting uh, for the right hitting areas to put the blame on the defense player all the time is just flat out wrong. Need better QB play with two exclamation points. Uh, it's not okay QBs to get your wide receivers hit because your bad decisions exclamation point. End quote. Um, I agree with most of it. I mean, because in real time, I turned to AC on Sunday and said, well, honestly, that was a little bit on guard Minshew. He laid him to get killed. And look, Tom wasn't perfect. I mean, it, you know, it's easy to say, even for him to say, say, well, you know, if you're a quarterback, then don't throw that way and lead your guy into a, 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 a you know, where he's going to know he's going to get blown up. You're talking about in the heat of the game, this even for Tom. But the logist of what he's saying, though, is true. And there's some because I think, you know, the great ones sometimes can, you know, whether it depends on the point of the game, you know, hey, this is a, you know, this is a game winning drive. You know, we're down by 10. We really need to get going. This is a playoff game. This is a game for the division. Some of these guys are going to sit there and probably put their tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, catching out of the backfield in some uncompromised situations. But I, that's that's human. This goes back to everything I talk about, about the human element in refereeing and this and that. We're not going to eliminate this. This falls under that category as well. So as much as I agree with what Tom's saying, but the reality is that Tom has to know that he knows this. He played the game. Um, that's that's not reality and that's not always going to be the case. But you can strive and put that out there as the standard, because I think what Tom is saying, you have more average quarterback play now and bad quarterback play and quarterbacks that are not that accurate where they can't even live by that rule and play the game by the rule and they are hanging their receivers out to dry and you know what the situation is Michael Pittman was in Sunday he's in a big game knowing that his team is basically in a playoff hunt they have a playoff spot let alone the hunt they're in the playoffs as we speak and number two he's playing for a new contract so if he doesn't make an effort to go catch that ball or go get that ball, fans, whether you got him on fantasy football, you got heat on the game, or you're just a general manager scouting that has to negotiate with him, you're going to sit there and say, oh, does he have alligator arms? He doesn't want to go get hit. And then it's a doc. So he's in a situation where he knows Michael Pittman knew he was going to get lit up. And he's a t he, he's a tough dude. But I do think the emphasis, so to bring it back full circle, I think things that Tom is talking about and going back to the putting the pressure on the NFL to have seminars that teach these players 
Okay, because if you really want to get to the problem, you'd have a seminars where all employed NFL officials have to attend. And you've got to you've got to bring in you could do one for defense, meaning you've got to have at least, I don't know, 15 to 20 people, president players at this seminar. You're not going to get everybody there because this would have to be an offseason situation or whatever. You're not going to get all players, but you would get a team would have to have a mandatory of 10 to 15 defensive players, starters, most of them starters, and all defensive coaches and all the referees at this seminar. And then you have one on the offensive side of the same criteria and, and the criteria, and you keep doing that every year if you really want to get better at it. Because right now we just got a bunch of people that are screaming and bitching and complaining about the referee and from Colin. And I ain't just talking about fans because we've got them on TV, commentators. We've got them on social media. Everybody's just going by the power with no solutions. We're knowing that this is a tough job to do and we're all viewing it. Even Blandino and all them dudes are, you know, pretty much judging this, watching it on 4,000 high def television while we've got a beverage in our hands. And these women and men are out here in real time. And they do have to be better. They they do. I mean, it has to be better. But I think we've just gone overboard. But I kind of agree with Tom. Now, the only thing I will tell you, in my opinion as well, Tom could have really been speaking out on these things. And it's not early on in his career because I think you, you, you don't really do that. But I think the latter part of his career, Tampa Bay years, last year in New England, Tom could have been voicing this. You can't tell me he just had all these thoughts just because he's retired now. But there was a competitive disadvantage he thought he would be if he pretty much, which I understand, revealed this open. But I think a guy of his stature, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, guys like that, you know, they can make change. When they voice their opinion from that position, then they'll get the league office to go ahead. I remember the whole – when we went through the whole – um PSI situation, inflate gate with Tom. I learned through that process that it was Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and I think Drew Brees was on that call too. It was like three or four of the top quarterbacks, or it might have been Big Ben, that was on this conference call that got the NFL to allow teams to bring their own game balls to the game in the stadium and play with your own you know, team balls, paws in regards to at the game. You couldn't do that. Usually the team, but they were slick. So they fought for that. So my point is, if they would have spoke up, if Tom would have been more vocal about this playing, even his last few years, and you get some of your other counterparts, I, that's when you get change in the National Football League. That's when you really get people to look at it. Because this young man right here, now I didn't know this when it happened. I guess he's been on the repeat offender watch list. OK, like he's gotten letters, you know, from the NFL. And, you know, Jeff Saturday did a good job uh, this morning because he was on the player side. He played the game. Plus, he was in that position. He said, look, I want to make it clear that there are phone calls that are made. Like, it's not just about putting you on a list and a letter. It's like phone calls are made. Like, do you understand why we're suspending you? Do you understand what you're doing? And that's the reason why, even on top of piggyback on my take just a few minutes ago, if Jeff says this like that and it's really like that, then that just proves my point even more that they need to have seminars. Because if they're just picking guys up and say, hey, man, do you understand why you're being punished? Like your mom used to tell you, dad, you understand why we had to ground you? Okay, well, that's fine. It's going to cost this young man $200,000. And I promise you, I don't know his, his finances, 
but he ain't got a Patrick Mahomes contract. He ain't got a quarterback contract. He ain't getting paid as one of the top cornerbacks uh, in the league. So most likely his responsibility is what he's doing. He's He could be check to check. That's 200000 Just because it's like, you know, evidently you didn't get it. So we're just going to suspend you. But there is a point that you got to hold the player accountable. But I think that it's too much gray area and it's not enough teaching going on. It's just enough, you know, you know, reparate, you know, just 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 merits and fines. Just that's what it's more of instead of just less teaching and showing how we're going to go about doing this. What do you got? Uh, he signed a two-year, $6 million deal with the Steelers um, last offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, this was his fourth infraction this season mm-hmm. um, yeah. for, for either uh, hit to a defenseless receiver mm-hmm. um, or leading with the helmet um, and in the and then an unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, $6 million over two years after taxes. Um, yeah, he still can't afford to lose 200000 not for that. Um, you know, I mean, it's just it's one of those that it's to my opinion, this is one sided to me. It's one sided talk. It's one sided for the offense. It's one sided for the league office, how they want to handle and discipline. It's one sided. And a lot of it has a reputation and a lot of it has to do with did we talk to you before? Do you have a reputation of being that? It, it's a lot of that because there's some guys that levy that hit and we don't even talk about it because they don't we don't hear about the letter they're getting sent. They might do it twice, but they don't have that reputation, you know. And not only that, what is Pittsburgh known for? Pittsburgh's known for physicality. They're going to be like they're like I. There's certain things that I do believe that pretty much plays a part in certain things because there's certain teams, there's certain coaches, and there's certain players that have reputations. Okay, Baltimore Ravens, known for the last 15, 20 years, physical, nasty team. Okay, that was under, um, what's my man's name? Uh, Former Super Bowl, uh, Bill, was it not Bill O'Brien? God, I forgot my man's name. Uh, Baltimore's coach that won the Super Bowl. God, I sit there, I'm getting old. Um, Anyway, whether it was under him. The 01 uh, Ravens defense, whether it's the current Ravens now under Harbaugh, they have been known as a physical defense, period. You know, so keep it going. Um, That's just my thoughts on that. Um, You know, it'll be a topic of, you know, discussion going forward for a while because it's because, again, there's more eyes on the sport now from a fan standpoint. And just I mean, it's just different. Everything's under microscope and everything's scrutiny. And it's a violent sport. You know, what do you got? Brian Billick? Yeah, is that the name believe, you were looking yes, for? Yes, I can't believe okay. I forgot his name. Brian Billick. So, it is what it is. 877-37-GRIND. All right, let's switch gears and go to college. Like I said, we're going to be off by the time most of these games, especially next weekend where you really get into those holiday six bowls and the, the ones that I've got. But like I told you in the opening of the show, I'm only concentrating on a few bowl games that I feel like there's still going to be some type of importance there, regardless of who's in the transfer portal, who's not. And I think some of these teams might have a minimum of guys that's sitting out just a few of these games. First off, I did mention that our UTSA Roadrunners are going to be in action tonight in the Scooters Coffee Bowl 
Uh, they're taking on Marshall. Uh, so good luck to those guys. I think, you know, um, this season, in my opinion, for UTSA was about getting adopted to a new conference and a step up in competition in conference. And then they got a little taste of what's going to be on the horizon possibly for the next couple of years. And that's the outsiders uh, snipping around and snooping and sniffing around their head coach and their leader in Jeff Trailer. Um, and I think also what I'll be looking for uh, in Jeff Trailer is, you know, what is this team with losing a lot of players and seniors and juniors and losing your and finally out of player eligibility for your quarterback and Harris, what what is this team gonna look like next year? Is it going to be a big, you know, fall off, you know, in regards to, well, now we've got to build up the talent and now we've gone to pretty much counting on double digit wins in the last couple of years to now where you're looking at are you gonna get five wins? Can you get four if you're dealing with a bunch of young players? So um hope they end on a good note. Uh, but that's kind of where I put their season in a nutshell. Speaking of the UTSA Roadrunners, where they're the only game on tonight uh in that way looking forward um to other bowls um and these are bowls before we get to the semifinals uh you know these are bowl games really pretty much like i said next friday like if you look at next friday's bowl game you got number nine missouri versus number seven ohio state in the auto zone liberty bowl um, I think Ohio State's quarterback has already entered the transfer portal or was thinking about it. Um, you know, when you look at anytime you're looking at a Big Ten matchup and an SEC matchup, regardless, even if it's not for playoff or national championship implications, when you get to this time of the year, there's going to be some intensity there. I think if you're Ohio State, your last game that you played was a loss to your uh, rival. Michigan, uh, you have a bad taste in your mouth. And really, this is about building to the program going into 2024 and going into spring ball. So I think that is a game that's going to be on my radar that's worth the watch. Also, next week, you've got uh, number 19, Oregon State versus um, number 16, Notre Dame. Um, that's in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. If you look at that, I think Oregon State, this is a very this is probably a more important game to Oregon State than Notre Dame because I think Oregon State, and it really sucks for them because, you know, this was the year the Pac-12 was dissolving. But, you know, they really that coach has really got Oregon State, you know, over they're about to turn the corner, in my opinion. You know, they've been pretty down for some years, but I think that they're about to turn that corner, and it sucks that they had momentum and then they went through the dissolve of the conf the conference. Um, so that's one of those that I think there's still some juice to be watching. Uh, next Saturday, number 11, Ole Miss versus number 10, Penn State. Uh, this is another Big Ten SEC matchup. Uh, when you look at Ole Miss uh, and what Lane Kiffin has done this year, I think he has the program in the right direction. Um, you know, he, he's been very successful at finding quarterbacks that can run his system at Ole Miss. You know, they're going to be taking on Penn State. And if you're James Franklin, which there's nobody in this South region that is a bigger fan than James Franklin than me, but I think the reality of it is James Franklin has yet 
to really have that signature win. Like he doesn't have too many of them in the regular season in Big Ten or whether it be too much in bowl games. And I think this time, any time that you can go up against, you know, a top 10 SEC team, even if it's in a bowl game and it has nothing to do with playoff implications, I think that bodes well. Uh, I think, you know, that's something that I'm anticipating Penn State and Ole Miss, both of them coming in this game, whoever's playing and not uh, to try to win. And so those are the, the other one definitely is the Peach Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And that's going to give us number six, Georgia versus number five, Florida State. Uh, that is that's going to give us that particular uh, game. No, I'm sorry. That's I told you wrong bowl. The Chick-fil-A Bowl is the Ole Miss and Penn State. Florida State is actually playing in the Capital One Orange Bowl. So that's the one that is. And if you look at Florida State and Georgia, we know the story with this. These are two teams that believe that they should be on the next games that I'm going to you know, touch on. Uh, speaking of Florida State and Georgia, uh, last time I checked, I haven't looked at it, last time when it opened, uh, Florida State was a 14-point underdog against Georgia. I'm going to give you my thoughts on this, though, in regards to what we would expect and what is going to determine how competitive this game is going to be when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great bold and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. Throw the money like you're growing cheese. I've been f***ing on a French, say la vie. I just put them on a jet, now they all Italian. Way I'm dressed until I've been to a thousand dollars. All right, back here on the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing Spin the One and Twos. Today's show was presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we have been broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, the key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Make sure you try 
out all their pre-made alcoholic drinks. They come in a, a lot of different, multiple different flavors. And they also have their Blazing Bloody Michelada mix still as well, too. But whatever you do, don't forget to Zing Zang responsibly. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right. Um, before we get to the last few points before we get out here today, just a reminder, if you're just tuning in for the day or just tuning in for the week, um, we will be here with you today and tomorrow. And then starting this Friday, we will be out the rest of the year until the new year coming back on the second. So, uh, you know, Jonas will be putting together for you on some days. I think you'll be hearing the best of. If not, there'll be um, other programming, but we will be back um, at the second. First time I've done this, by the way, because usually I've always split it up, you know, three days, three days in the last two weeks of the year. But I just said, hey, might as well just go and rip the Band-Aid off. And hindsight 2020, I could have mailed it in after the day. Okay, but it was like, no, still some things we want to get off, you know, there to the sports world and the public from our audience. So for our audience. So, yeah, so we're going to continue. Um, so real quick, um, college-wise. So those are the bowl games that I'm going to be paying attention to. Now, in regards to, before we move to the semifinal game, um, in regards to this Florida State and Georgia Capital One Orange Bowl. And it's still sitting at 14. Yeah. Um, look, in this particular game, you're going to, we know you're going to get an effort from Florida State. Because Florida State, this is their opportunity against an SEC team, against a team that is the reigning national champions, two-time champions. Not that we will crown a new champion this year, and no one still have three-peated. Um, and they're an SEC team, so we know Florida State is going to look at this opportunity, even without their starting quarterback to prove a point that they were really screwed. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to be grading this curve, this this particular game on a curve. And what I'm talking about on a curve is because I've said this before. When I've said it with Alabama, people think I'm just being sour grapes because it's Alabama. No, I'm going to tell you this right now, and it ain't got nothing to do with Alabama. But the truth of it is, the team, and especially since, you know, Kirby and Georgia have a little bit ways to go before they talk about a Alabama Nick Saban type of run, okay? Back-to-back -back national titles uh, does not make it even on par, not even close. But with that said, because they have had back-to-back -back national championships and recruiting success, the expectations have gone higher in Georgia with Kirby Smart. So when I talk about grading on a curve, I'm going to have to grade them on the curve is because what people have to understand, the loser of that SEC championship game, a, a team that has expectations, when you go back to the Urban Meyer Florida Gator teams, when you go to a Nick Saban type of team in Alabama and that expectations, especially there, when you're talking about coming off of a back-to-back -back title in Georgia, it is hard for those kids to go and play a Orange Bowl, a Capital One Orange Bowl, and be up to get up for Florida State, even though they're the fifth team in the country. Now, I think Kirby, coming from the school that he came from, 
I, I think he's going to probably tr- find a way to maximize the players that are going to play. Because I haven't even looked at this, but I will tell you, there's going to be a few Georgia players that are not going to be playing this game that's going to be getting ready for the National Football League. Probably some on the offense. I guarantee you that tight end Powers ain't playing. I don't understand why he would even think about playing. He's already been banged up. He tried to come. He's going to be the first tight end possibly taken in the draft. So I know he's not going to play this game. So you're going to have some Georgia players that's not going to play. But I still think Kirby will get the best of what he can. But make no mistake about it. I believe Florida State, which this game means more to them than it does Georgia, they're going to try their hardest to try to prove a point and justify them being allegedly screwed. So that game is on my radar for that. And that's going to be, like I said, that's the um, Capital One Orange Bowl. Now to the semifinals here real quick before we circle back to the National Basketball Association. Um, When you look at number four, Alabama, uh, that's the first semifinal game up against number one, Michigan. That's going to be the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's just going to be – I'm never one of those – I'm not a college football purist that's, oh, that's so beautiful, the drop of the Rose Bowl and, you know. But it is going to be a sight for sore eyes when you talk – not sore eyes, but a sight for – good eyes of beauty when you talk about that field that setting and you're talking about a program like Alabama and a Michigan which I think honestly I think I don't know if they've ever met I think you can count on maybe two fingers how many times they've met you know they've played each other uh, let alone with what's on the line at this um real quick on this one um you know I, I've said it before I, I think this is one of Nick Saban's better coaching jobs, whether they win the national title or not, because this team didn't even look like it was going to be a team that was going to have an opportunity to be here when you're talking about the game with Texas and the game, especially the game following at the South Florida game. You know, that's one I circle back because, you know, they barely got out of there. You know, Milroy was just still, Jay was still going through this whole situation of how he was playing. Uh, but it's a lot of credit for Nick and the commitment uh, and the discipline that they have to be in this situation or even be in the final four. Um, on the other hand, with Michigan, the one thing I asked is, you know, they've proven that they can handle the distractions of a quote unquote cheating scandal with the whole, you know, undercover employee, incognito, sending signs, taping signs. We saw that they could rally around that. So they're capable that they're mentally tough in that. Now, I think when you go to this particular game, and probably by the time that we play this game, the talks of Coach Harbaugh connection with the potential L.A. Chargers, Chicago Bears, how does this group know and how they deal with that? Because they've had to – I mean, this ain't the first year he's been connected to NFL jobs. But I think that this is the first time that it's going to be maybe a reality, and I want to see if that affects the team. Any, i got to give them the benefit of the doubt that it won't because what they've showed so far, uh, they've been a physical team. I've said it before. I thought that they have played the most consistent football all year than anybody else, and that's missing their coach for four games? Well, well, hell, I forgot about the suspension at the beginning of the year. I mean, what, he missed a total of, what, six, eight games this year? 
uh, something like that. They they've been the they they played more consistent than Alabama. They've played more consistent than um, Washington. They've played more consistent, even I think, than Georgia. They they have, and, and to me, I, I, but the true test is going to be. I think there's no team, not even Ohio State, but I don't think it's any team on their schedule they've played that can get them prepared for the physicality the way this. I mean, it's always a physical game when you play Alabama. I don't care what year it is. But I think this particular year, the way they're structured where there's no Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, lined up opposite, and you know, that there's this is more of a pound, big offensive line, run it down your throat, and we've got a dual quarterback that's built like a rock that's got that has improved through the course of season throwing the ball and can make all the throws, but he's a threat with his legs and he's tough as hell to tackle. Michigan hasn't seen that yet this season. And I want to see how they get adjusted to it. Now, on the other side, I think Alabama, I will tell you, coach and quarterback combo, this is going to be the best coach and combo combination they've played this year and coach Harbaugh and the starting quarterback uh, for Michigan um, I think he's going to be an NFL prospect um, he's got weapons he's got running backs he's got receivers uh, and that's why I've been kind of toting the gun and toting the horn I should say for Michigan I ain't going to tote no gun I ain't doing no bid for nobody but I've been toting the horn for Michigan because this is his best complete team since he's been there um, you know it, it, this this game right here, I, I would say is probably a sixty forty type of game. I'm gonna say sixty Alabama and forty Michigan. It's almost a fifty fifty, and the only reason why I edge the edge sixty to Alabama is because for one, the coaching, which I've got a lot of respect for Harbaugh, but I think also they're dealing with the one guy that has been given the layup, the lob, the Trey Young, or, or I should say, yeah, Trey Young to Clint Capella lob. That's what they that, that's what the media and the people gave Nick Saban to Alabama in regard to he's the one coach that's gonna not just the fact that they're playing the one number one team in the country, the fact that he's gonna have those guys believing Y'all, y'all are not even supposed to be here. No one thinks you deserve to be here. You robbed it from Florida State. The other good team is playing in the in in the uh, Capital One Bowl. He's going to have them ready for that, and that's what Michigan has to deal with. It should be a heck of a game. In regards to the other semifinal, uh, the Washington Huskies taking on the Texas Longhorns. Hook them. Um, What's the spread in this one, Jonas? What's the up? Give me. I didn't even check on what the updated spread was on the Alabama one. What's this one on this one? Uh, going back, uh -huh. Michigan favored one and a half. Um, okay. Here in the Sugar Bowl, Texas by four. Number three versus number two. I can tell you that both of these games will be making that card that week next weekend. I will tell you this, so I'll kind of save it till I decide on you know studying a little bit more. Uh, but I will tell you that Washington, and when we look at this game, I will say the same thing kind of goes along with the first semifinal matchup. Um, Washington, I don't believe, has played a team in the Pac-12 this physical, in the trenches, speaking of Texas. Uh, 
Um, I really don't. Uh, they haven't. This will this will probably be the best defensive line, without a doubt. Not probably. It, it's the best defensive line that Washington will play, that Penix Jr. will see. Uh, so that brings an element to it. Um, I think Texas, as a program, as an alumni fan base, their mouth has been watering to get back to this particular spot. Um, for one, there's no excuse that it's taken this long, but it's better late than never. I mean, they finally got in on the last year of the 14 playoff. So they're going to be excited about that, and I think Sark is going to have them ready to play. However, um, this will be the best quarterback by far and the best offense by far and set of receivers that Texas have, will have played all year. And I've seen Texas in the Big 12 let Kansas State hang around for a little bit. You know, I've seen them get in these games. And, and to me, you know, because of the style of offense that they're running at Washington, because of Penix Jr., um, what I think he finished, what, second in Heisman voting behind Daniels. Um, this is going to be – now, this game, I think this game is really, you know – I think this is 50-50. I can put this 50-50 because I think this is strength on strength and something's got to give. This is a good defensive line, a physical team in Texas against Washington, who had their offensive line has done a decent job of giving Penix Jr. time to throw. And I think the strength of Washington is their offense and their quarterback. And normally in matchups like this, even an NFL or a college, you usually go with the best quarterback. I mean, the guy, I mean, Washington has the edge. I don't want to disrespect yours, but Penix Jr. is a better quarterback than him, and he's more accurate, and he's got some skill receivers in the chemistry-wise. So that's why I say it's really strength on strength. And I will tell you, Washington's defense, I believe, is a little bit underrated. Uh, their secondary, um, you know, not from a physical standpoint. I just think from a scheme and discipline, they very rarely beat themselves. Um, I, that's what I've seen, at least in my opinion. Um, Oregon was no chopped liver. I mean, Bo Nix made a trip to New York. Uh, Oregon was curb stomping a lot of people. And Washington, uh, no, they didn't stop them. They didn't shut them down. But they contained them, and they stopped them on demand when they had to. Uh, so that right there is the reason why I'm going to make that a 50-50 uh, ball game. But it should be exciting, though. We'll see. We'll break it all down uh, when we get back after the semifinals. But uh, real quick before we get out of here, just some NBA notes. Uh, you know, I didn't even have – we talked about – what do you got, something? Uh, really quick on college football. Mm -hmm. uh, Pete Thamel reporting that Frank Harris is unlikely to play tonight, which would be his final game at UTSA. Mm, okay. Uh, that line has moved down to seven. Oh, okay. Well, if he's not going, then that's a, a, we're going to fit the games. That's fit the game because Marshall, you know, they're not chopped liver. They, can, they, you know, they travel pretty good, and they've got passion as well, too. Um, one thing on college, though, that I didn't uh, mention real quick before we get a couple NBA notes uh, from here. Uh, Nebraska gets number eight recruit. Now, this is the number eight, probably according to ESPN. I don't know where he ranks in rivals. But regardless, this is a top 10 quarterback in the country. Dylon Raiola, I think is his last name. Probably butchered it, but I know I think it's Dylon. He has flipped. Speaking of Georgia, he has flipped from Georgia to go sign with Nebraska. That right there, well, first of all, and I know we shouldn't be like this, but this is reality. Remember, uh, Dylan, by the Dylan, way. I thought it was Dylon. Maybe I typed it down wrong. Dylon, it's Dylan. Dylon says, sounds better, though. Dylon, a spilled hot fire. 
but Dylan. His mama named him Dylan. We're going to call him Dylan out of respect. This doesn't happen. Now, I will tell you uh, real quickly, and I know, like I said, there's levels to anything. Like when it comes to conspiracy theory, Jonas is like on a scale to one to 100. Jonas is like 99. I'm like maybe 10. But let me take that 10 on conspiracy. Remember, Matt Rule had a press conference about a few weeks ago, and he said, hey, I don't know, you know, just for example, good quarterbacks in the transfer portal going for – couple million dollars there's some guys you know playing for six eight million dollars now i just want to make sure everything we're clear everybody knows what we're dealing with i remember that press conference and then all of a sudden this young man getting the opportunity to play in georgia in the sec decides to flip to go to nebraska in a program that matt rule is still bringing up it makes you wonder when them donors listened to Matt Rule, and he went and got one of his quarterback. That's a big deal for Cornhusker country. Uh, but real quick, uh, to the NBA, real quick before we get out of here, um, I didn't have it on the docket. I mean, I've already told you tonight pretty much what the action we've got. We've got the Spurs and Milwaukee. Um, no, uh, no, you know, Wimby tonight. Um, real quick, I didn't have it on the docket, uh, but um, Minnesota's T-Wolves, Edwards, um, has got himself in a situation in regards to a young woman. I guess they had kind of met Instagram model, whatever you call them, the youngsters call them, had some relations, and supposedly there's some screenshot text messages that he was advising her or leading her to a, the path of an abortion. And from what I hear, there's a $100,000 wire proof that this young woman has so edwards has always already had to go ahead and release a statement yesterday i know the minnesota t wolves have released a statement saying they're going to talk to him about this and i will just say this is happening quite often to this young generation of athletes in the nba and it's it's happened even guys in my the old school but these young men have to understand that you're not there's a trap out there on ig and TikTok. I mean, you got to move better than this to get caught up when you've got that type of assets and that type of future to try to protect. Just my thoughts on that. We'll cover that as more details come out about that. But that is a wrap for today. Special thanks to producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, Lubbock, people up in the Mile High City in Denver, people up in Tyler, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you, the snooze button, and for you roll out the rack, just ask yourself. You grind in peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. 
Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 